1: This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen with our ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker.
2: This podcast episode was recorded on Wednesday, December 15th, and released to premium subscribers that same day. It was done so without any of these ads or annoying announcements. Now you too can become a premium subscriber. It's quite easy. Just visit the website contrarianpod.substack.com or contrarian.supercast.tech and sign up. There is right now a special year-end Not Black Friday sale in effect through December 31st. You get 40% off the sticker price. That's 44.0. A massive discount I'm making available to you through the end of the year. Starting Jan 1, prices will increase. Because inflation is no longer transitory. The Fed has admitted as much, and we are acting appropriately. The code to take advantage of the discount once you go to the aforementioned websites is not Black Friday. Spelled together one word, no upper cases needed. Not Black Friday. Websites again, contrarian pod. Dot substack.com. That one is probably better if you already have a Substack account. Otherwise, contrarian.supercast.tech, T-E-C-H. You get a bunch of amazing stuff in addition to the commercial-free episodes, including a daily contrarian preview of the market activity for the day ahead. It's released every morning at 7 a.m., contrarianpod.substack.com, contrarian.supercast.tech, your place. Go there and enjoy it. Now, here is today's episode starring Ryan Wirch. Ryan Wirch of Wirch Capital, thank you so much for rejoining the contrarian investor podcast. I had you on this show about a year ago, and your views then were quite prescient. You predicted a bull market for this year. I think you might've been a little bit more bullish on growth than actually turned out. But you did say that at the time there was a lot of fear and that you told us to basically ignore it. And indeed that's what's happened. The market is due for another double digit uh, growth year, double digit percentage gains in the S&P at least. And so of course this begs the question how you view next year and if you think this party will continue, and exactly where, because we have some parts of the market that are kind of in correction territory already. But anyway, enough about me. Let's hear it from you. What is your view for next year?
3: Well, once again, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy doing this. And it's interesting, you know, looking back at, at our last discussion last year around this time and some of the comments that I made and I think it's going to be even more contrarian this year Awesome. Um, because, yes, I was bullish last year because I still believe that we're in a secular bull market. Now, I think the major question that I have and probably most investors have is, is this more 1997 or 1999? And I think a year later being now, I think many more pundits believe this is 1999 we're, we're in a bubble. The bubble's about to burst. The Fed's going to go into a, you know, an interest rate hiking mode, which could bring the end of this wonderful bull market that we've been in since, however you want to define it, whether it's the bottom of, of 2009 or 2013, when we took out prior highs. But with that being said, I think the idea that this bull market continues, I think is actually even much more contrarian than it was a year mm-hmm. ago. Yep. A year ago, we were just freshly off of a, a bear market, obviously the, the pandemic. And now we've, we've had almost you know, 20 months since then of really up markets with very little correction. I guess what I got probably wrong last year was the massive rotation was out of growth and into more uh, value centric sectors. And growth, Quite frankly, is is really underperformed since uh, early February or late February, early March of this year. Now, if you're invested in just the general indices, you're you're sitting on double-digit gains. There are only a few percentage uh, points off of new highs, especially after today. But if you look underneath the surface, there's definitely been some real destruction in the speculative part of the markets. So, I, I think what's happening is there's been a big deleveraging from investors alike. And and what's happened is it's, it's hit the, the high beta speculative parts of the market the hardest. So, if you want to look at um, the SPACs, the,
2: mm-hmm. the
3: SPAC meme stocks, uh, all of those have just crumbled down 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% from highs in some cases. Um, biotechs, biotechs in large are in a bear market outside of, you know, maybe Pfizer and Moderna, Um, a a lot of the biotechs, which are again more of the speculative part of the markets, are in a bear market. If you want to look at growth, and you you can't look at the Nasdaq or or uh the NASDAQ 100, Let's look at something that's a a better proxy probably for high beta growth, Kathy Woods Art Fund, Mm -hmm. bear market, down I think 40% from highs. Crypto, Crypto, I know we don't want to talk about crypto, but you, you have to look at that as part of the speculative part of the market. That's yep. in a bear market. So underneath the surface, there is a lot of uh, movement that you just don't capture in the general indices. I, th- I think part of what I do as a as an investment process is we have to look at what is happening currently. Currently, you have certain sectors, especially the speculative part of, uh, of the market that is as had some massive selling and deleveraging and then we kind of go and look back in the past and look at prior precedents what what kind of markets do these does this look like and then we kind of shape a thesis an idea for the future and some scenario analysis of what potentially could happen at the end of the day for 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 myself and and my research process Price is the ultimate judge ultimately, but we do play some scenario analysis of what could happen and maybe give some percentages of what we think may happen. Um, But going forward, I I continue to believe that the the general markets are in a secular bull market. It doesn't mean we can't correct and we probably are overdue for a bigger correction than 5%. Hmm. And if you go back and look at, we've had some indicators that have aligned with prior markets, two of them being 1997, in 2001. What is the big difference between those two markets? Well, 1997, we were in the midst of probably the strongest secular market ever. 2001, we were in one of the biggest bear markets ever, and beginning of a secular bear market that started in the tech crash of 2000. So looking back, what do we think this market is more reminiscent of? And what, where do you think it compares better to? And we believe it's more of a 97 type of environment rather than a 2001 bear market collapse.
2: Mm. So interesting.
3: I, I do think that is contrary because I think if you go oh, yeah. on Twitter and you and and you you listen to the media, more people are calling for a bubble and a, a a burst of this bubble than people saying, you know what, I think we're in a secular bull market and we're just going to continue to march higher.
2: Yeah, I guess the question is about these speculative parts of the market. And the the meme stocks, the Kathy Wood stocks, because if if you're in the late stage of a bull market, usually, and I believe this is why you predicted last year that these these would do well, and indeed they did for a little, but at that stage, that's usually when these type of securities do best, right? And so, what do you think will happen with those? Do you think, I mean, is is Kathy Wood is is that done? Are um are cryptos have they peaked? And are we going to hear about NFTs again? God, I certainly hope not. But <laughs> hopefully they won't be buying any constitutions or anything like that. But yeah, what do you what do you think? Well, it's a good point because the
3: market has become so very narrow. And I think money is hiding out in some, you know, safer havens. And it's funny nowadays we're talking about prior to this call that the safe havens now are Apple and Google yeah. and Microsoft and Facebook, which were your old traditional growth stocks. But nowadays they're more of, you know, whatever value or GARP plays, but that's where money certainly is hiding. And, and, and the, the, the leadership in this market is extremely narrow. There are a handful of mega cap names that are at new highs or close to new highs, Home Depot, Ford. Um, I, I think clearly the speculative money has come out of those areas and gone into some safer plays. Now, the, the question remains: is is the destruction in those speculative plays a leading or lagging indicator? Right. And that's what I don't know. Okay. Um, if if it's a lagging indicator, we believe that those areas that have been beat up are going to have to finish their correction, but are going to be the areas that are going to bounce back the fastest. If it's a leading indicator, then all those other areas, they're going to crack eventually. So if they crack the Apples and the Googles and the Home Depots of the world, the indices have to come down just because Mm -hmm. of the massive weighting's in them.
2: Um, Yeah. How would you gauge, how would you kind of place the odds now? Like, do you think we're closer to, do you think which of these scenarios you think is more likely at this stage that we're closer to the end of this or closer to the beginning of the end? (laughs) I guess, yeah.
3: I, I think we, we have time before the ultimate collapse comes. And, and a study that I ran, which is kind of fascinating, 2021 is going to be the third year of a double-digit return in the indice. So I wanted to look at that I said, how many times have we had three straight years of double-digit returns and we've had four prior instances of that in the past. Before I ran that study, I just would have thought that intuitively the fourth year probably would have been down right three strong years double digit returns you would think there'd be some level of reversion to the mean so went back and looked those three years were 1942 to 44 49 to 51 95 to 97 2012 2014 and now the last three Mm -hmm. years would be the fifth instance so what happened in the fourth year after those three returns You'd be shocked and the average gain was 17%. Huh. Only one down year. And that was actually uh, the most recent one, 2015 and it was down by, you know 0.73%. Yeah, yeah. So that again, that doesn't mean we're going to have an up year next year, but it says history strength begets strength. yeah. And I also believe we're, we remain in a secular bull market. And I think that will continue on till so next year. Obviously, the big wild card is the Fed, what they do with tapering. They've kind of, today, they, they've shown their hands, they, they've telegraphed exactly what they're going to do. They're, they're talking about raising rates. But if, if really, you know, inflation was such a massive concern, your traditional inflation hedges have on, all gone down in the last month when they first started talking about expediting tapering. Um, you know, the 10-year has gone down, uh, gold has gone down, tips have gone down.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so what, is, what what has the market been worried about over the last, you know, probably month, month and a half where we've had a little bit of this digestion? I think it's probably just a normal, you know, correction where we did get excessive to the upside in certain areas for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still remain overvalued on every single metric out there. But that's what happens in bull market. You stay overbought for a lot longer than people can ever expect. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to continue to play out.
2: How many of these fourth years that you looked at were coincided with uh, Fed tightening? I know 2015 did. Um, in 1999, there was one hike, which seems crazy in retrospect. I just looked that up a couple of days yeah. ago. But I think it was in the first quarter, Greenspan hiked, and that was it. <laughs> that was the only time he did until like mid 2000. But do, did you, do you have that information?
3: I don't on the, uh, the 40s and the 50s, but uh-huh. you're right in the 90s, uh, 2015, you're correct. Uh, but there's also a study, and I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head. I have to go rerun it. But um, the, the, the general market actually acts fine over, uh, after the first and second rate hike. Right. So it's usually not until after that right. that the market reacts. So let's say they do hike three times next year. Um, depending on the timing of those hikes, you, you may not get weakness into the back half of next year, hmm. you know, which, again, would line up with some other you know, data about you know, uh, time between bear markets and whatnot. Um, I just think so many people are bearish, and they're bearish for valuations and rate hiking, whatever. You, you can make any excuse in the world that you want. Um, I just take to tend the opposite view that I tr- truly believe we still remain in this technological revolution. There is innovation and entrepreneurship happening every single day. These these growth stocks are going to continue to grow. They're going to be continue more important. And yes, we're going to have bear markets within a secular bull. I just don't think we're going to have one now. I don't think it started. I think this is probably just a normal correction within maybe it's a little bit more um, dramatic than your five to 10%. Maybe it's 12, 15%. I mean, the average intraday drawdown in the S&P is 14%. So mm. that should be expected, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it feels like every wiggle in the market, the frantics come out and people mm-hmm. just are calling for the top and, uh, and the bubble's gonna burst. I just think the trend is your friend, the trend remains up. Over the long term. Until that changes, I, I continue to ride it.
0: Hmm.
2: Interesting. Okay. Uh, another thing that we've seen here, and this is a question about these growth stocks and also the pandemic, some of the pandemic favorites, which have done very poorly as well here in the last month. And I'm wondering here if we go back to you, you mentioned the technological revolution, if we go back to the early 2000s, remember that a lot of the advancements. Well, a lot of the companies were maybe a little bit ahead of their time, but some of this stuff got co-opted by by bigger companies. And I, I just think of a company like Teladoc, which is a Kathy Woodstock, also. And this is something that they basically—I don't know it that well, but from what i understanding, like it's basically Zoom. And that wouldn't that be something that could potentially just be replicated by Zoom? Like it seems like a lot of these uh, names that we think of as being innovative maybe aren't quite as innovative as we thought and they just happen to be in the right place at the right well, time. Or is that unfair?
3: Well it's it's a little unfair because if you don't know much about the technology of the company, I guess it's hard to
2: make a call.
3: You know, I I, I read a, a fantastic article last week and I forget who it was from, but the main theme was that disruptors get disrupted, right? Right um so w- while there's always innovation, I think innovation is happening in such a faster clip now. That mm. it's getting disrupted even faster. Mm. Um, you know, again, who was the the, the biggest market caps in, in 1999 2000? AOL, Cisco, Microsoft. I mean, AOL's Yahoo. I mean, these 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 companies are are dinosaurs compared to what they used to be. So, I think it's a little bit unfair for to, to single out Teladoc. Yeah, again, I, I, I don't know, but you're you're right in that sense that th- these stocks have been. Absolutely hammered. I mean, you could look at the the three probably poster childs for um, stay at home or, or or teledoc, Zoom, and Peloton. Right. All three are just absolutely killed. Does it mean that their innovation is over? No. It probably just means that they got so far ahead of their 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 growth uh, from a valuation standpoint that you know the rubber bands just went too far and was bound to snap. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. Who ultimately becomes out the winner of this? I don't know. And I hate, you know, making predictions because really ultimately nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not the business that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I prefer to look at, at, at trends, um, you know, and, and data and, and make a educated decision rather than uh, predicting which technology is going to win in the future.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. And it's often not even always the best technology. If you look at the Betamax versus VHS, right. Being Absolutely. a classic example. All right. Um, I want to come back and ask you about how your portfolio is positioned. Maybe get some favorite names out of you with the understanding that it is, of course, not investment advice, but I want to take a first, a quick break and give our sponsors a chance to make themselves heard. And then we'll come back.
1: We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets consider becoming a premium subscriber for $9 a month or less premium subscribers receive a number of benefits podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded transcripts are made available within 24 hours premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our discord server they also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services and of course there are no ads or interruptions Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech.
2: Welcome back, everybody, here with Ryan Wirch of Wirch Capital. Uh, Ryan, so yeah, this all kind of begs the question, like I said, of how you are positioning your portfolio and to the extent that that you can talk about it. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is fluid. I imagine you will be trading in and out of some positions at the year end, but maybe big picture some of your favorite uh, sectors and potentially even stocks?
3: Sure. Um, first, just before, you know, anything I talk about is obviously not taken as investment advice and I may or may not own some of the stocks that I, I discuss. But, you know, with that said, even though, I, you know, I'm, I'm bullish in the long term, you're 100% right. It's dynamic. You know, my, as, as a trader and more of an active uh, investor, I, I, my opinions change dynamically with the market. As new data evolves, we we make decisions and we adjust on the fly. Um, So right now, actually, I have a decent amount of cash just because we've had some rumblings. The, the, The market that I specialize in or my portfolio is made up of pretty much your high beta growth momentum type of names. That has been a very unfavorable position to be in in the past probably month. As those prices were going against me, we were we were either hedged or we were our stop losses were were being hit and we were getting kicked out of some positions. Um, But there are some some legacy positions that I I still hold that I think continue to look look and act well um, that that kind of form the nucleus of of our portfolio. You know, one of them being, I think, NVIDIA. I think semis in general have been extremely strong, um, you know, during this whole, you know, four-week meltdown in, in growth, semis have actually held up fairly well from a, a relative strength standpoint. So, you know, I, I think NVIDIA still remains one of the the dominant um, tech companies in in the, the markets um, from just a, a growth standpoint. All the areas that they're in are, are the massive innovation that's going to, happened prior to the next decade and I think they're at the, the forefront of, of all of it um, Tesla another one it's very similar um, is held up relatively well starting to crack a little bit uh, something that we are watching you know closely and again I think Tesla probably got a little too um, stretched to the upside and it's just correcting some of those excesses right now but I don't think anything from the from the fundamental story, has changed at all. In fact, I think it's probably even gotten better. Mm. Um, you know, especially with the infrastructure bill and and the money that's being sloshed around in uh, Washington, going making a concerted effort to go into um, electric vehicles and whatnot. I think it's 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 a real tailwind for Tesla, and mm-hmm. I, I think it just remains the dominant de facto probably growth leader in the market. Mm. You could, we could talk all day long about valuation. That's been probably overvalued for five years, uh, and it's done nothing but really go up and compound at a tremendous clip. Something probably newer that maybe off the radar screens of a lot is uh, stock like Roblox. Mm. Um, and what's funny about Roblox, the the way I got interested in it is uh, I have four kids, mm-hmm. and I noticed that they were playing this game on on their 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 phones and iPads constantly. And I finally asked them, what are you playing? And it was Roblox. And this is probably about a year ago. That's what first got me interested in it. And then when it came public, I did a little, you know, a little bit of research on it. And I, I think, again, you hear about the metaverse and the, the future that everyone's going to be, you know, Facebook has clearly put that front and center and put it in, in front of people's minds that this is the future. Um, I think Roblox is going to be a big player In that theme um whether or not it plays out again i don't know but i think that's going to be one of the the major players in that that metaverse theme and i i think it is going to be a a massive growth area uh Mm -hmm. in the technology world so those are probably three three stocks that i that i do own and i i think i'll continue to own as long as they continue to hold up and act well Mm-hmm. From a fundamental standpoint, I don't, I don't think a whole lot has changed. Roblox did have some numbers today and there was a little digestion and some selling. But other than that, I'm playing this market. I'm waiting. What I do is we call it, you know, waiting for the fat pitch. So right now I don't have that yet. So that's why I have a decent amount of cash and I'm just kind of waiting for that time or that, you know, fastball comes down the middle of the plate and I can hit it out of the park until then I'm probably going to play a little bit of small ball and be a little bit more nimble, maybe some smaller position sizing and take less risk. But I still believe we remain in a fairly favorable bull market. And I think if and when growth does bottom, there are gonna be some opportunities in that space.
2: Interesting. I'm curious, did you think maybe coming into today that if the Fed did announce something uh, along accelerating tapering, that it could lead to a sell off and that could be an entry point?
3: Yes. Yeah. I, I, I listen, quite frankly, the best thing that could that could happen for me is that the market actually does correct, you know, yeah. full blown correction at 20, 25 percent, because that will get rid of all the excesses across the whole spectrum. Right now, they haven't cracked everything. Yeah. So some areas are, are you know, again, we're, we're within a percent or two of new highs in the indices. So you can't even say we're really going through a correction um, because, Bear markets reset everything and create bigger opportunities and, Mm -hmm. you know, but trying to time it or predict when that happened is almost impossible, Mm. but you should look at those as opportunities, especially if you believe that we remain in a secular bull, which I think we are.
0: Mm.
3: A lot of people are talking about, you know, this, this next bubble burst could lead to a secular bear. I don't know. I, I don't think that's correct. I, I think the average um, run of a secular bull, we still have plenty, plenty more years left. Um, but who knows? Again, that's why I am a more of an active shorter term trader rather than a long term holder, because you always have to adjust to, to the unknowns. And mm-hmm. certainly last year's pandemic uh, absolutely played to that. If you, yeah. You, yeah. You, you had to be a little bit nimble to sidestep that you know, massive destruction in really just a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it happens. I mean, it happened in the the rate tantrum in the fourth quarter of uh, '18, where we mm-hmm. had, in essence, a bear market in in six weeks.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. Um. So it does happen. So yeah. I'm I'm on high alert, obviously, for that. And if price goes against me, I'll I'll probably get out and you know, save my capital and chips for another day. And that's what I do. I try to avoid the really big down moves while trying to participate on the upside.
1: Sick of me yet? Become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions. Other benefits as well. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information.
2: Do you have any uh, thoughts on inflation? And do you feel that that's now the Fed kind of has a handle on it or not? And and if not, how would you be looking to protect your portfolio from it?
3: What I find interesting is that we talked about it earlier. Your traditional inflation hedges are signaling the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. When when Powell came out, I think it was November twentieth. I don't know the exact date when he first started talking about um, getting word getting rid of the word transitory and tapering faster and expediting it. Well, what's happened since then? Gold has gone down the 10year has gone down tips have gone down these are all areas that should rally in an inflationary environment now could the 10-year weakness be be you know maybe forecasting a slowdown in growth possibly um, that I don't know but it's something that I absolutely watch from a from a price perspective and a trend perspective. You know they're giving some conflicting signals for sure, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's part of why the general market has been so um, choppy uh, or or kind of in a um, tantrum in itself in the in the last month because mm-hmm. there are some conflicting
2: signals underlying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are always conflicting signals. I I think you know it's very rare that we get a clear green signal, green light, yeah. and then yeah. when we do, there's always reasons to doubt it. So. Or at best case it, it, scenario, you have no money to put to work. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, Okay. It's the classic, you know, climb the wall of worry. All right. uh, there's always something to be fearful about at yeah. any given time. Um, you know, quite frankly, you know, you, you should be most bullish at the bottom and most fearful at the top. Right. most people are the exact opposite.
2: Oh yeah.
3: Uh, yeah it's human psychology and it really never changes.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a, 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 a good, healthy correction should be viewed as a positive because it will give some bigger opportunities going forward. And I think everyone should, you know, be ready and, and willing. To try to time it, impossible. Yeah. Um, but, but being prepared for it in advance um, is what you should be doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Of course, then, if everybody is, that means they aren't putting cash to work bidding the market higher, and then you probably won't get any rallies. So, but it's all, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. It's what makes
3: it's what what's it's what makes the market, right?
2: Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. All right, Ryan Warch, thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast again today. I was gonna uh, ask just how to get your your information, which I'll put in the show.
3: Yeah, you can find me. Uh, you know, I don't have a massive Twitter presence, but I am on Twitter at Warch Capital. Uh you can go to my website, WarchCapital.com, or you know, I write a blog uh, you know, every, you know, once a month, every six weeks, and I touch on a lot of this stuff you know, it kind of goes through my investment process and how I view the markets. Um, so those are some areas that three areas you can find me.
2: Cool. And the website is werchcapital.com? Correct. You can find nice. all the links to my blog and to my Twitter handle there. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So to be sure to check that out. And thanks again, Ryan, for coming on. Thank you all for listening. And I look forward to speaking to you again next time.
1: Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.
0: Traffic jams